Blessings, blessings, blessings. Infinite presence is all there is. And in this sacred space, feel the infinite presence, the energy, the divine energy imbuing each of us, for we are one with this divine mind, divine imagination, divine inspiration. And in this oneness, we accept all of life's gifts. We accept love, prosperity, joy, well-being, and so much more. And we know that as we gather here together, the words we hear will lift us up. The music will fill our hearts, our souls, and our connection with each other blesses each and every one of us. We accept all of these gifts and more, for the universe abounds with infinite goodness. And as we accept these gifts, we are so very grateful for each of us is surrounded and imbued with this loving, divine energy. We are each divinity expressing. And in this sense of knowing, we are grateful. And I release this into that spiritual law that always works for us, always has our back. And together we say, and so it is. And so, appropriately enough today, we're going to be talking about the mind of light. The mind of light. And we're looking this whole month at the idea of welcoming the light. As, as we move into the, for our region, the darkest time of the year, um, in fact, the shortest day is this coming Friday, we're having a party, right, John? To celebrate that. To light it up with a big bonfire and roasted marshmallows and good things like that. Um, S'mores, yes. We're welcoming the light, and so we're looking today at the mind of light. And we've been talking about um, this light coming and going, and it's an external light that's returning, and it's an internal light that we're paying attention to. It's a physical light, and it's a mystical light that we're paying attention to, that we're listening to. And we've been looking at stories all month that are true, but not factual. And today is one of those. And so this, this week is the winter solstice. This Friday is winter solstice. The, the day when, when the sun is the farthest away from us, right? And begins its return. But that's not factually what happens, is it? No. No. See, the sun hasn't moved in relation to the earth, has it? The earth moves. We rotate away from the light. Now, none of you has ever done that, but you might have experienced it once in a while that you've been rotated away from the light. We have left the light. By the way, in the southern hemisphere, they're celebrating what? Summer solstice. The fruit trees have all blossomed, the daffodils and tulips have all bloomed, and now it's, it's summer, baby, right? So the sun, relatively speaking, is consistent and ever-present, fully expressing its nature. It's just being the sun, right? We're moving in and out of relationship with it. 
We could, interestingly enough, migrate with the sun if we wanted to. We could stay in its path of light if we wanted to. Some people do. But most of us, and and most of tradition, for the human history of tradition, we don't move with the sun. We stay planted where we are. Yes? And this is a metaphysical lesson. That as the light moves, our tendency is to stay planted where we are. Just because my cheese is moving, I don't want to move. We tend to stay where we are. We tend to stay anchored to the familiar, to our home. We're kind of like last week we talked about the Buddha, and the Buddha spent his first 29 years growing up in his father's um, compound and staying in that, not being exposed to the outer world. Okay, And so we can tend to be like that. We can tend to be stuck in our current place, our familiar. I know this place. It may not be very warm right now, but it's familiar. Yes? Okay. And this is a consciousness thing. I want to talk about the light, the, the, the capital L light, not just the sunlight, but the capital L light, the light that's within us all. When, when in Genesis, the very first thing God creates is the light. And it's not a physical light. It's the light of consciousness. It's the light of beingness. Out of the field of non-being, which is the, the darkness that is, it is over the firmament, God says, let there be light. Beingness, awareness, consciousness. And so this light is in a process of constant and continuous evolution, movement. Constantly evolving how it expresses and how it shows up. Nothing stays the same. Have you noticed? It only, we only perceive it as such because we have, relatively speaking, short lifetimes on this planet. You know, the other day on Facebook, I saw a, a person who posted a little meme that was trying to say the earth was flat, and, and, and he had put a carpenter's level down on the ground, and you could see the bubble centered in that, and he said, see, the earth is flat. And he was joking, he was joking, but you know, but that's, we laugh about that because we have a larger perspective. We know that although it looks like in that little limited viewpoint, like the earth is flat, it's not. There's a larger perspective, yes? There's a larger perspective, and that's what we're being called into. But we live aspects of our lives from a limited perspective. Sorry to tell you this, but we all do. A perspective like, my good is out there. Could you not do that, please? Thank you. My love is out there. My money or my freedom, my my ability to create is out there. My health is out there. My fulfillment is out there. My good is out there. But that's not really the truth, is it? It all lives here within me. Michael Beckwith says that it's not the law of attraction, it's the law of radiation. I radiate out what I am, and it has to show up in form. It has to show up in form. If we are going to move with the evolutionary nature of the universe, then we have to understand both where we are going and what's holding us back, right? Yes? We need to understand where we're going. If we're on an evolutionary path, it's a good thing to know. See, 
the way that we get through the solstice is we know the light's returning, right? We know the earth is rotating. Back in the old days, you know, our, our, our long, long, long ago ancestors did all sorts of ceremonies to try and keep the light from going away. Did that ever work? <laughs> it appeared to every time. Did it have anything to do with the light returning? No. You know, I've often said that, that um, if we could be transported in a time machine back, say, um, 4,000 years ago, and we landed in a place that had uh, volcanic activity or earthquakes and stuff like that, and we, and, and we said to the people, you know, you're offering to your gods and like that, but it's really not your gods. It's the movement of tectonic plates underneath the earth, and it's just happening. You know, I've always said you would be the next human sacrifice they would offer to the gods because it would be heresy and they would not want to let go of their point of view, even though it was factually accurate, right? Factually accurate of the tectonic plates, not their view. So we have our limited perspective. We have our things we want to hold on to. And we will tend to, (laughs) to some degree, kill off any new ideas that want to come in. Mm. So evolution is happening whether we like it or not. That's the good news, bad news. The one mind, the one mind, the mind of light, expresses itself, first of all, in the form of matter. In the form of matter. See, in a lot of traditions, matter is, is something that you should abandon for the spiritual life, yes? There's the material world. And then there's the spiritual world. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. Okay? So we, we judge that material world as being not spirit, but it's as much spirit as anything else. Sri Aurobindo in, in the book, The Mind of Light, says spirit descends into matter and the material world with all of its, its being spirits, with all of spirits, lights, and glories, and powers, and with them feels and transforms life in the material world so that it becomes more and more divine. We're not here to abandon the material world. We're here to bring divinity to the material world. We're here to bring that light into form. That's the, the teaching symbol that we have, the, the descent of spirit into, into, into form, into matter. It is the ground, this matter is the ground of expression of light in this existence. Everything around you is light and love. Everything. Tap this thing you're sitting on. It's light and love. Tap somebody near you. It's light and love. Tap your own body. It's light and love. All there is, is this light and this love. Breathe that in for a moment. Just breathe that in. Get that at the cellular level. See, when the Buddha saw the middle path, when he said, not too much and not too little, he embraced the material. He said, it's sacred. We don't want to overindulge in it because then we get attached to it. We, get it, we, we hang on to it. We cling to it. This is the young man who, who Jesus encounters and, and you know, who, who wants to follow him. And, and Jesus first says, follow all the laws. And this man says, I do this. And then he says, then let go of everything. Give it all away. And he says, can't do that. Can't do that. And it's the hardest thing for us to do is to really, truly let go into spirit. But if we can't, we can't release the further movement of the evolving light within and as us. We must let go. 
So the mind of light is evolving. It's evolving life itself. It's expressing greater consciousness in forms until it has now developed forms that can consciously participate in evolution. That's you and me. We are consciously participating, for better or for worse, by the way, or for, you know, and that's our own judgment, by the way. That's our own moral evaluation. But we are consciously participating in evolution. Sri Aurobindo again says, As nature has evolved beyond matter and manifested life, beyond life and manifested mind, so she must evolve beyond mind and manifest a consciousness and power of our existence free from the imperfection and limitation of our mental existence, a supramental or truth consciousness able to develop the power and perfection of the spirit. We are developing beyond just our mental ability to perceive the world. Breathe. Breathe that in. And by the way, just as surely as the light is returning, we are doing this. And we can go kicking and screaming, or we can go with openness. For us to live in alignment with this evolution, we will be called to let go of our comfortable ways of being. Dang. Our comfortable known ways of existence, to surrender into something greater. To not, and, and this is not a downward surrender. This is not a surrender down. It's a surrender up to something greater than we've ever been before. This is a lifting We're lifting out of the cycle of light-dark, light-dark, birth-rebirth, death-rebirth, all that stuff, and lifting into something new, something we haven't seen on this planet before. And I'm not saying it's going to necessarily happen right in our lifetimes, but this is the way that the mind is going. And we can play with it, we can be in alignment with it, or we can stay stuck and cling. We surrender into our true excellence the truth of who we are. That is what we're being called to do. And trust me, it's scary. It's scary. It's much more fun to maintain our little ways we live life than it is to say, I need to let go of that so I can become even more than that. We've been called not just to get a little better, a little more enlightened, but to be totally transformed to be evolving into this total transformation to the fullness of a divine life in a divine body. Breathe that in. A divine life in a divine body. Not somewhere down the road, not somewhere else, not some other plane of existence. Here, now. Because here and now are the only places where spirit is, right? Spirit only has one conception. It has the now moment, and it has the here place. That's all there is. Because spirit's all there is. There's nothing else out. There's nothing. There's not a somewhere else to be. It reminds me of the Zen master who was laying on his deathbed dying, and his, his students, his disciples were all grieving around him. And he said, why are you grieving? He said, because you're leaving. And he goes, where am I going? Where am I going? There is nowhere else. So it's right here, right in in this moment, in this place, that this evolution is happening. When Paul says in the Bible, be ye, trans- be ye not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about, will you let go of the world view? Jesus said, I'm in the world, but not 
of the world? Will you let go of the worldview of the way that we normally deal on a day-to-day basis with the world to conform so that you can become something greater? And again, that's scary. If you don't know that it's scary, try it. So this mind of light and the body divine already exist within us. It's already there. Just like the caterpillar has the imaginal cells within it to become the butterfly. Until they're activated, they don't show up. But they're there. And so we are here to activate the imaginal cells within us that allow us to be the beings of light and love that we truly are. The divine that we truly are. It's there present within us. And our work is simply to activate that, to open up to that. Just like the sun is already expressing its full brightness, its full warmth, right now. It is, right? We just left. We just rotated away from it. Ours is to shift our perspective, to move our consciousness, to experience that new reality or that reality that is already there, but that we don't see. This is kind of like the, the exercises where, you sit, where if you shift your eyes as you're looking at a picture, it becomes something else. Okay, It's one of those. It's already here. You and I are already living, walking, breathing, talking in this, this reality. We just don't yet see it. Or we get little glimpses of it here and there. We call them mystical visions because they burst our bubble. And at first, to move our consciousness, it can seem painful and frightening. If you've ever actually had a mystical vision, you know that it's um, difficult to describe, right? Hmm? No words. There are no words. I remember the first time when I had it, I was 13 years old. I was doing dishes, and all of a sudden I was transformed in the love of Jesus. I was a good Catholic boy at the time. And I was immersed in that for 30 seconds, two minutes, five minutes. I don't know. I was no longer in my body. I was no longer in that place. I was in some other realm. And then I came back. And I remember walking into the living room where my parents were. My parents didn't like each other at all. And there was this darkness in the living room that was both a physical darkness and a, <clears throat> their own darkness. And I remember looking at them and going, nope, can't talk to them about that. <laughs> there would be no understanding there. And so I held on to that for years. I didn't know how to talk about it. And it can disrupt life. It can shift your life. So it can seem odd. It can seem off. It can seem to push you where you don't want to go. But because it's because the capital R reality doesn't conform to our ideas about reality. In Buddhism, if you remember right from last week, we talked about the very first of the Eightfold Path is right view. Having the right, having the, the, a view that's in alignment with capital T truth. Most of us don't. Most of the time we don't. And so as we open up to that view, to a greater view, as we rise up higher to a view where we can actually see we come more into alignment with that. Plato made a wonderful allegory of this called the allegory of the cave. Some of you are familiar with that probably. In which people are in this cave and they're prisoners. They're held in place. They have to look forward and they're held. They're, they're, they're basically chained down to a place with their heads moving forward. And on the wall in front of them are these shadows. And the shadows are moving and being cre- and, and, and like that, but they're being created by people behind them who are projecting from a fire behind them onto that. Today we might talk about a movie screen. 
right? Where you're watching just images that are just light or pixels if you're watching on TV, but they're people. We all have characters on TV we love, right? They're just a bunch of pixels. I mean, yeah, there's an actor who corresponds to that. I love it when I remember when Law and Order was, was very popular, people would show up at the New York Police Department looking for the various detectives who were on the shows. And so we watch this wall, and the people behind talk also, but because of the acoustics of the cave, it appears that talking is coming from the shadows themselves. And so people perceive that as their reality. And finally, a prisoner breaks free and turns around and notices the fires that are lighting this, this imaging process up. And what's the first thing that happens when they see the fire? They get blinded somewhat. Their eyes aren't used to looking directly at light. And so most people will then turn back around and say, I'll stay with the shadows. Thank you very much. And Plato says that if a person were to be dragged forcibly out of the cave, and once in a while life does that to us, right? Drags us forcibly out of the cave, up the rough path, clear up to the top of the cave, the person will arrive at the top of the cave in pain, in anger, and blinded by the actual sunlight, unable to see. Welcome to the spiritual path. And you thought it was a stroll in the park. Eventually, however, eventually the person's eyes will start to adjust. And in Plato's metaphor, he says, eventually they'll be able to notice people and things as reflections in the water. They can't see the people and things directly, but they'll notice the reflections in the water. And then they'll be able to start to see the people and things more directly and actually perceive them directly. See, most of us don't perceive each other directly. We have interactions with people. How many of you know that you have a type, a relationship type? Or a type who you prefer not to have a relationship with? Pushes your buttons, right? As my friend used to say, I may have pushed your button by accident, but I didn't install or maintain your button. (laughs) And that's the shadows on the wall. We're not really dealing with... Joe or Mary standing in front of us, we're dealing with our projection, our memory, our shadow within our mind of who they remind us of, but we're not playing with that. The Course in Miracles says we're never angry for the reason we think we are. It's never really this, even though it really feels like this. So eventually the person can see people and things, and eventually they can look up into the night sky. And in Plato's world, the night sky, the stars, and the moon were considered reflections of the sun. They get the stars were actually little mini-suns. Reflections of the sun. So he can see the reflections of the light. And finally, over time, can gaze directly at the sun, the source, and see that. By the way, he also says that When that person then tries to go back to the cave to free others, they'll kill him because they can't get it. That person, he or she, has moved so far beyond their ability to process that they will kill him in order to hang on to their beliefs. In the Bhagavad Gita, when Arjuna gazes at Krishna in his full glory, and Krishna reveals himself fully, at first it's wonderful, and then he starts to see other aspects of Krishna, that, and he's like going, you know, time out. And finally he says, I want to just see you as my friend. 
I want to just see you as the way that I've known you. See, we all come to God wanting to see God as we want to see God. Some people, you know, I, I, you know, when they enter a religious science church, they come in wounded from a Christian background, and they don't even like the word God because they have a shadow tied to that word. But it's not the word. It's the shadow behind that. We want to hang on to our perspective. When God tells Moses that no man can gaze upon my face and live, he means we have to die to our humanness. Our knowing of ourselves as ourselves will die. And it said that Moses was the meekest of men. The meekest of men. The most surrendered, if you will, of men. He wasn't a weakling at all. But he was the most surrendered. And he wasn't attached to his humanness. He wasn't attached to his identity. And so he could perceive the face of God and live and communicate. And there's an aspect of each of us that is that Moses that can be, that is detached, but we have to engage that detachment to be able to gaze upon the face of God, not as we want God to be, but as God actually is. Spirit actually is. This mind of light actually is. So we are called to go beyond this solstice consciousness, this coming and going in and out of the light, and finally stand to a higher plane that, that lives in and as this mind of light that we truly are. We truly are. We're being called. This evolutionary process is pushing us, calling us to this. And some of the responses you've noticed in the world is to plunge back into darkness and go kill off anybody that stands in the way, right? Yes? Okay. And we're going through that phase, but it doesn't mean there isn't a mind of light in operation. And ours is not to engage with that darkness and try and argue and fight with it. Ours is to live as the mind of light in greater and greater ways. To just be who we truly are. And so will you move through your fear and discomfort and say yes to this mind of light? That's what the question that we're being all asked. Will you say yes to being your highest self? This week I want to invite you to do one spiritual practice only. Contemplate the idea of the mind of light. Contemplate this. What are my ideas about that? What does that mean to me? And then, am I willing to move past even the greatest ideas I have and let it reveal its nature to me? Am I willing to surrender my ideas about God, the infinite, all that, and simply let it reveal itself to me? As we prepare for this rebirth of light that we celebrate this week, as we prepare to this growing awareness of a light that shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehends it not, are we willing to allow ourselves to be in union with and recognize our already existing oneness with and as this light and surrender to it? So that's the spiritual practice I invite you to do this week, is contemplate that mind of light and let it reveal itself to you. Will you play with that? Right. It'll shift your life. It'll shift your life. I want to close with a quote from Sri Aurobindo from The Mind of Light. He says, A new humanity means for us the appearance, 
the development of beings whose principle of mentality would no longer be a mind in the ignorance seeking for knowledge, but still bound to ignorance. It would no longer be a seeker after light, open to the light, but not an inhabitant of the light. Instead, they would be possessed already of a mind of light, a mind capable of living in the truth, being truth conscious and manifesting in their lives a direct, in place of an indirect, knowledge, a knowingness, a gnosis, if you will. Their minds will be instruments of the light and no longer the ignorance. That's what we are being called to be. Minds of truth, minds of light, no longer playing in the ignorance. When God says, let there be light, he separated the light from the darkness. We are the light. So let's move into prayer. Knowing that there is this one presence, whatever name we give it, this mind of light, this, 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 this thing itself. There is that and only that. It is light, it is love, it is wholeness, it is power. It is peace, it is beauty, it is joy, it is life itself. And we are one of that. It is expressing its nature in full abundance, and we are expressions of that nature. We are, therefore, the light itself in form. And all of its attributes in form. That is who we truly are. And so I speak my word that I remember this, and that each of us remembers this, that each of us wakes to this truth in greater and greater, deeper and deeper, more Anchored in ways, more powerful ways than ever before. Do we say yes to this truth that already is within us, this imaginal cells that are ready to burst and grow forth, and yet we have to dissolve the caterpillar nature to allow the butterfly nature to, to take shape, to take form. And so we say yes to letting go of our smallness, our ignorance, our oldness, our darkness. And then we say yes to that light that naturally emerges, that has always been there. There's the story of the Buddha that was covered in mud until somebody finally accidentally broke a piece of the mud off and noticed it was a golden Buddha underneath. We are that. We are golden Buddhas, golden Jesuses, golden Moseses, golden Lao Tzu's, golden anything, golden ourselves. And it is time for us to break open the mud, to shed that mud of the darkness, of the ignorance, of the past. And we say yes to that. To let our light, to let our gold, to let our beauty, to let our beingness shine. And so I'm grateful for each of us who says this, yes. I'm grateful for the good that comes out of this, for the light that is in this world. I'm grateful for us being a stand of light and a stand for love. That stand for joy in this world. We are that. And so I release this word into that law that moves it into form and expression, knowing it is already so. It is already so because there is only one mind. And so it is. Today we were learning about how everyone, no matter what, they're telling a story about what people say about how you look, how you feel, how you are. They're telling a story, and it's all just a big lie. 
you got to make up your own idea of what you are and who you are on your own. You can't let people get to you anyway. Um, in the teens room, we talked about how we might explain CSL to someone if they ask us, and we talked about how our convictions and our beliefs affect our like spiritual path, and we talked about values we had.